Talking Tech with the Techie Guy, Elon Sigur, on CliffCentral.com. Right, welcome to another Talking Tech on cliffcentral.com. My name is Liron Segev, and I am the Techie Guy. You can get a hold of me on the blog, thetechieguy.com. And the point of our show is, as usual, to make technology simple so anybody can understand. And I never do this alone because doing things alone doesn't sound so good in the first place. Uh, I've got here Tanya Kowalski. Hello, Tans. Hi. Thanks for having me back. Uh, always good to have you back. Um, are we ready for the show? We've got quite a few things going on today. We're learning new stuff today. A little bit out of the ordinary, not our, not our usual, um, but I think it's cool to learn new technologies. And today we're going to be talking about something called IoT, the Internet of Things, and how to take gadgets and translate them from the real world into the offline world. And we'll get more into that later. We've got a guest coming in, Vincent Hoffman, who is from Inquisition, founder of Inquisition, I believe. And he's going to be telling us all about the cool project that him and his company and kind of what he does in his private time um, to get these things to happen. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's all coming up. And today we're talking about apps and we're talking about weird and wacky stuff. So you've been hard at work on the internet and you've managed to find this insane app is what I like to call it. Well, it's not so insane. I mean, it's, it's very useful for people right. who struggle to get out of bed in the mornings. Um, but who might love taking a selfie, which I okay, think how, how do you combine getting out of bed and a selfie? Well, it's an app, okay, that wakes you up in the morning. It's an alarm, but it will only turn off when you take a selfie of yourself. Seriously? Yes. Okay. So, so you're sleeping in bed, fast asleep, and this thing goes off, and the only way to shut it up is to get up and take a selfie with it. Correct. It's got a face, you know, face technology. Um, and it okay, won't, okay. so even if you're asleep or you've got the pillow on your head, it, <laughs> it will know that you're cheating. Um, you need to get up, eyes wide open and allow the, the camera to take a selfie of you. Okay. I, I, I wonder how you get to snooze. <laughs> what do you I have to do? Think, I don't think you can. Um, okay. So it's like a, a get, this is the, I suppose it's, I suppose if you're up and you have to focus and you have to aim the camera at you and, and, and you're not going back to bed after yeah, that. No, absolutely. Um, I've, I've heard of apps. I mean, I've never used them or fortunately I've never needed them. Um, you need to solve a puzzle or get up and spin around in order to turn it off. Oh my God. But I think the selfie. Yeah. I mean, the selfie. Oh, okay. People love, love a good old selfie. But without makeup. No. I know that's terrifying. The fortunately, it doesn't. Uh, does it not send it anywhere? Does it not send out. But then think about all those selfies that could be used for no makeup day or just woke up day or. You know, I, I'm not even sure that there should head. be. Look, this is my sexy bedhead. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I suppose different strikes for different bikes. <laughs> it is people who are willing to get up and spin around to switch an app off, and they actually manually install it themselves. This could be a great prank app, you know. You put it into somebody's oh. file. You go, oh, oh. You search it for five a.m. and they just have only no way. idea how, oh, to, how to switch it off. I like you see, that. Between us, we'll come up with a real world usage. For yeah, these and apps. we can maybe invent it, huh? as I'm sure maybe Vincent will explain to us later. Well, we don't know how, so but hopefully he'll hmm. unlock that for us later on. Um, people who are unlocking good potential, um, I don't know if you've been following MTN's recent announcements, where they have launched the first Pan-African Internet of Things platform. Well, it sounds like a bit of a proper geeky mouthful. Yeah, please dissect. Okay, that. so 
You know, MTN being the mobile provider, they've got footprint in basically a lot of the African countries. And what they have discovered is that, look, we all know that revenue from data is dwindling fast and furious, and they have to make their money from something. And in this particular case, they're going to make it from services. So what they want to do is they want to go and help customers help their customers. In other words, if you've got a company that has got SIM card in various vending machines or air conditioning units or vehicle tracking, it's very cool to be able to get that information in South Africa where your refrigerator, refrigeration unit sends information back to your head office. So I'm not talking about your home, your home fridge being off mm-hmm. because of load shedding. I'm saying if you've got millions of dollars worth of, um, you know, equipment in a lab, as soon as that temperature drops two degrees, that stuff is all lost. You want to know about it pretty quickly. Mm. So these kind of um, systems work really well here. The problem is that as soon as you go cross-border, if you go into Africa, you've got to start thinking very, very differently because you've got international rates, SIM cards don't work. Uh, they don't have 4G and 3G. They've got very different technologies. So people just don't do it because if you're going to do it, you have to set up your own infrastructure. And what MTN has come to basically to the community and have said, look, we've got all these, this technology. It's available all over Africa. Simply use our technology to empower your applications. So what they've done effectively is they've, they've unlocked this internet of things, having these devices with SIM cards, making all these sensors and all this communication possible throughout wherever, um, MTN has a presence. And they don't charge international rates. They only charge you local, like kind of, they've got something called a global SIM, so it's one rate. So you as a business can now start expanding into Africa. So I think it's quite cool. Um, a lot of the smaller companies, they've got this little fleet vehicles, the fleet management, um, you know, in, in South Africa can now take the exact same business model and now start selling it throughout other countries in Africa. And when does this kick off? No, it's already it's already it, in. It's up it and running. Okay. Yeah. And the last thing is because my question to them was, I don't know anything about this technology, but I got these cool ideas of what it can be done. Um, and they've actually partnered up with Intel, and they've partnered up with um, the innovation hubs, so that if you do have the idea but not the know-how, they're able to actually put different parties together to make your idea come off the ground. Okay, and do, do you need to be an MTN customer? Yes, so that's the only catch here, um, catch in inverted commas. Your SIM cards have to work on the MTN network okay. to be able to do it. So I don't think it's too much of a catch, but that's pretty much, I suppose, the requirement for your basically your operation to work. Um, you know, we, we're all aware that you have SIM cards within your phones, but a lot of people are not aware that the SIM cards are actually you know, in vending machines, the SIM cards are in mm. automatic doors. They're in refrigeration units, uh, tracking, obviously. Um, and all that technology can now be taken basically into Africa and start earning some dollars <laughs> rather than rands, yeah. um, which is very cool for a business who wants to expand north of our borders. Do you think that everyone understands what the Internet of Things? Definitely not. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, this Internet of Things is one of those like kind of Newly, uh, I don't know, terminology coin that's terms, yeah. the, the coin terminology that's been kind of thrown around. If you ever want any budget being approved, you just throw a couple of these things <laughs> in. Nobody really understands it, so they can't fight you too much on it. But um, effectively, what the Internet of Things is is the ability to connect devices 
um, who will do maybe one task or two tasks, but when they connect together, they form part of a bigger of a bigger picture. So the way I kind of like to explain that is a retailer might have um, various um, outlets around the country, and the way that they stock up the um, stock within those stores is based on last year's. Um, last year's data. So in June, we sold X amount of ice creams. So therefore, let's buy that amount of ice cream now. So, so effectively, what happens is those various sensors in those areas um, now be able to talk to the weather bureau, who's able to say, I've got a heat wave coming. Let me order additional ice creams, but just for that store, not around the country. Mm. And because it's real-time information, you stock that store better. Um, we've seen systems where you have a garden and you've got a, an automatic housing system. So instead of just kind of just spraying water everywhere at three o'clock, it then knows about the weather predictions, mm. knows what's coming. Say, so look, it's going to rain tonight. Let me not switch myself on. Okay. That kind of thing. And if my fridge is empty, perhaps the fridge can contact a grocery store and get exactly that. groceries delivered. So just because you can have that, um, the ability, it's got to be coupled with a service. Yep. So my fridge knows it's empty. So what? Mm. You've got to have the second step, which is what you're saying is I'm out of milk. Let me automatically order additional milk to be delivered today. So by the time you get home, you're not out of, you're not running out again because you were frustrated. Yep. You forgot. Or have a fitness tracker or a health mm. wearable. Uh, you know, maybe my heart rate is accelerated for a worrying period of time. Completely. Link up to my doctor and my doctor. No, absolutely. I think we, in the earlier stages in South Africa compared to. No, I think the earliest stage in the, in the world. In the world. Because yeah. I think the Internet of Things is still kind of a concept that's, you know, people are just not getting yet. Yeah. Um, companies are not getting yet. Mm. They do understand it, like when we speak about something like that. Um, so, for example, one of the senses I saw was that. Every time you go to the toilet, it kind of takes a reading of urine samples, and then it knows. It says, "Look, I'm just going to monitor it, but if it reaches a certain threshold, I'm going to alert your doctor." Mm-hmm. Okay, and you know, pre-letting you know um, of certain symptoms that can be easily detected up front. But none of us are rushing to the doctor every morning to take a wee in a little cup because we feel because you know, we want to check ourselves out. Yeah. But these things will allow us to do that, and that's the difference. Yeah. Um, so I think there isn't an understanding of what the Internet of Things is, and this terminology is like too broad. So telling us about all these gadgets and devices and things and how we can get involved and how you can design your own products is Vincent Hoffman. He's coming up after the break, and he's going to be telling us about the kind of cool stuff and cool project that he's being involved in and effectively maybe kind of open our eyes to what's available. Um, I know I cannot understand the stuff. Um, I don't know this physical world and what connects to what and what soldiers onto what board. It means absolutely nothing to me. So let's see what happens, um, Vincent, um, after the break. CliffCentral.com So you're back to listening to Talking Tech on Cliff Central. My name is Liron Segev, and I'm here with Tanya Kowalski. And in the studio, we have got Vincent, who's going to be telling us about all this cool stuff that he actually does, not the theory of Internet of Things, but how to bridge real world with this kind of Internet and pushing buttons and making curtains open automatically. So, Vincent, welcome. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me. Great. So, um, you're founder of Inquisition. So, give us kind of a bit of background. Why are you even interested in how did you get into this whole Internet of Things and connecting real world offline to online? So by mistake, really, I mean, it's a passion of myself and my co-founder, Palessa Sebeko. So we are a design company, um, and one of the, the sort of original designers, if you want to call him that, Charles Eames, used to run a, a test lab. In that lab, he used to make toys, puzzles, games, etc. 
we took that idea and thought to ourselves, why shouldn't we be constrained by that kind of technology? Why don't we do Internet of Things? So we started building our little robots, um, getting friends in to help us building vending machines, sure. making my curtains move when the sun shines. Um, okay, I was just being sarcastic, but apparently it's a real thing. I'd love to is. see what your home and your office look like. Our offices at the moment are crazy. I mean, we're working at the moment on a little fun game where in WeChat you can actually open our gate uh, because we're tired of having remotes. Infrared's a stupid piece of technology. Why can't we have a little button on the web that allows us to get into our gate? Yes, damn it. Can Why you also block it? people out who've left your yeah, company? Yeah, so exactly right. So <laughs> if you don't have an email address, you're not coming in. See, or if I mean, you're uninvited, you're not coming in. Or if you don't have coffee, And, and from your smartphone, would you be able to see who's coming in or... Yeah, so the okay. minute they say we're here, well, they can authenticate themselves and say I'm here. So you could use that in a complex. And I'm sure secure complexes will be sure. one of the first use cases for this. So we've seen in complexes where you've got a GSM modem that's connected to your gate. You know, you give the gate a missed call. If you're on the list, you're allowed to go in. If you're not, you, you know, if you're not, obviously you can't, which is quite cool. So if you've got a painter that's coming in at 3 o'clock, just basically put him on the list for 3 but the next day doesn't have any access to this. So it's nice to see that the stuff that we carry in our pocket, these are quite powerful devices, now being used for more you know, stuff in the real world, right? So I think the fun thing is that everyone thought that this technology was locked in, that in, you had to be an engineer to understand how to, to play with it. Um, and the, with the democratization of information online, there, there's tutorials for practically everything. There's blueprints for practically everything. And now we've got little machines. Stuff like being able to lo- log into your home gate isn't actually that unreasonable for the average person. It doesn't take too much to believe that you guys sitting here could do that. Uh, the, the technology exists online. The instruction exists online. You could make your curtains move just as well as I could because I'm not a developer. Um, and this is the fun thing about these microcontrollers or micro PCs is they're giving guys like all of us a chance to play. So what would one need to get started? How do I get started with my gate? So instructable.com, I think that's the domain. I would start there and just starting to read. Uh, start to read about what other people have done because you'll find without fail someone else has had the same use case as you have. So opening your curtains when the sun uh, rises isn't a new use case, so I figured it was online, and that got me started. The real passion starts when you think about vending machines because everyone wants to play Willy Wonka and have some kind of experience where they, for instance, with Coca-Cola, where they had smiles being shared between people, or you could customize a can. Um, I think I would start there. And then secondly, the tech. Tech's cheap now. Uh, very much like Moore's Law with the capacity. Sure. We've gotten to the point now where processing processes and circuit boards are so cheap, uh, anyone can buy them. So Arduino or Cubi board or Cubby board, however one, everyone wants to talk about it. Or in the Intel world, Intel's Galileo. These are $30, $40 devices that you can ship in yourself and start there. And uh, everyone from a non-technical person right the way through a developer can have fun with them. Because they're built as open source tools for all of us to use. You see, but I think that I think that's kind of the scary bit. Because the scary bit is, you know, like I'm a programmer, so I can program. But then I, my limitation is when it comes to these actual physical boards, what plugs into what, what gets needs to soldered into what. Um, but uh, even that has changed because a lot of the stuff is more like Lego pieces now. Things only click one way; they only go one way. The sensor only touches one part. I, I, I mean, how's that changed? So the beauty of it, I mean, I had the exact same uh, fears. Being someone who could understand technic, uh, tech pretty easily, I thought that circuit boards or breadboards mm. were the sort of be-all and end-all of technology. That was where my limitation ended. Exactly. So there's almost two developers, and I'm sure you guys are aware of this, is like the web developer and then the machine language developer. Right. And there's a big separation between the both. I kind of felt like I was the web guy. 
and they the were real like developers who knew how the machines worked. Until you actually start, like you said, the little red wire goes into this part of the breadboard, and you can't screw that up too badly. <laughs> um, and the, words. <laughs> I have blown up a few of these already by plugging <laughs> in the wrong AC adapter, but that's my foolishness uh, okay. for thinking I knew best. This is the beauty of it, right? Though it, it's hard to mess it up because the instructions exist. It's really like following one, two, three, four, five. Um, and with the kits, oftentimes really thorough instructions come with them and videos online, of course. And this is why I say the really interesting thing here is this idea of decentralized manufacturing. You can go to YouTube and you can watch for yourself how some other guy did it. You're never alone. Uh, so nothing we've ever built, including the vending machine projects, have we ever felt truly alone. We've always had someone else that we could go and look to and say, okay, well, he's done it. I mean… Sure. Well, it's it's Just, possible. Yeah, exactly. We built a vending machine for one of the chocolate manufacturers. Uh, they came to us with the strangest, strangest request. Can you turn a vending machine to a selfie booth? Now, of course, my gut instinct is selfie booth. Please, please yeah, save look, me. Look, look, not available. Um, but you know people love that. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, we found out a thousand chocolates in one day with one vending machine. The... The fascinating thing about that, of course, is the tech. So vending machines are stupid, very stupid pieces of technology. The fun thing is trying to figure out how a very stupid piece of machine machinery becomes a selfie booth. And that's always been our challenge. Um, okay, so, so what does it do? So just put us in the picture. So customer uh-huh. comes up to it. It detects they're there. So immediately via infrared, it detects a presence. Clo- I'm, I'm putting my hands up in front of me for all the <laughs> listeners. Because yeah, that's that. Yeah, so if you're a listener, my hand's waving in front of me. <laughs> Uh, come up to the vending machine, it automatically detects that you're there and kicks into life. A uh, camera comes on, starts showing the user them, their picture. And then because of the way that the vending machine takes money, which is, as everyone knows, you put money into a, a slot in, that nothing, none of that is actually measured. Right. Uh, so if you've ever watched a chocolate company come and take their money out, they put it in black bags. Right. They have no idea how much money is in there and they have no much. So we had to try and figure out where that happened. Instead of doing that, we had little uh, infrared sensors in the vending machine behind the glass that picked up the chocolate dropping. So the minute the chocolate dropped, we right. knew competition entry got started. Uh, the fun game was, of course, lining up all the sensors and making sure the chocolate dropped the right place at the right the speed repeatedly. repeatedly. Right. Um, and did people get the selfie to take home? So it went straight to Facebook selfie? and it went straight to Twitter. It okay. was connected to the social accounts. The beauty of that, of course, is that we drove up repeat purchases. Now, I didn't think that was going to happen because I'm a cynic. So what we did do was once the user took their selfie or once the person took a selfie, we allowed them to pick a track. And so they could pick a Jay-Z track or a Beyonce track. So a selfie booth and then into a jukebox and the whole ju- the whole vending machine turned into a jukebox. Simple bit of tech if, if you think about it. We're really just triggering an MP3 yeah. on a Linux uh, computer. But the joy in people's faces when this happened in a vending machine, uh, it's the magic of this machine isn't meant to do that. Okay. And so that's really what Internet of Things is all about, isn't it? This curtain rail is not meant to open when the sun mm. comes up. I'm not used to that. I'm, you've seen fancy interfaces in Minority Report or you've seen cool sure, tech sure, in sure. TVs. This shouldn't happen in my life. Uh, okay. And then when you have that magical experience, customers seem to go into play mode. So the minute you've got them in that like sense of play, they're willing to come in back and buy more chocolates. I want to hear my track again. More pictures. Also uh, show my friends. Check how cool this is. Is that yeah. vending machine still active? No, it actually, going? and this is what, this is what's so magical about these little microcontrollers. It's in my dashboard in my car. So, of course it is, <laughs> as one does. Is that he you starts your car with a selfie? So I wish, I wish we could do cool stuff like that, but car, car manufacturers with the OEM software that they've got on it uh, won't let us in. But so a bit of it's plugged into a little, um, uh, I have no idea what it's called, a little slot that goes into my car. Right. And I'm able to track the, the driving distance telemetry of my car. Pretty cool. But 
Isn't it fascinating that we took the Arduino board that ran the vending machine that now powers bits of my car? It, it's never been about the tech. It's always been how much can you do with this thing? What can mm. you do? But, see, but the nice thing is because there's a community out there and because it's a worldwide community, someone must have done something as close as possible, if not the same. So you're not reinventing the wheel all the time. You're always kind of looking out there to say, look, this is our task. Um, let's break it up into bite-sized chunks and kind of find who's done what, where, could we use the same? Is it open source? Are they sharing it? And kind of take it from there. Yeah, I mean, that's the magic of the open source community. So where we got the infrared uh, tracking from was a guy who wanted to see how fast his kid run. Um, so <laughs> we figured out that the same system could be used for detecting chocolates dropping through a system. Uh, we just needed to find out speed. Okay, but then, then would you would you then go and share that back out onto? Yeah, so everything we made gets shared back. So we wrote about a okay. bunch of, uh, I guess it's called batch script. Right. Um, which loaded up the system and that now lives online. So somebody else, or somewhere else in the world who wants to have a vending chocolate machine that plays Beyonce. If they've got the right kit, which in this case is unfortunately quite expensive because yeah. the vending machines, as we found out, are very expensive. Okay. Um, we've recently discovered a local supplier of digital vending machines, which is blowing my mind. So that it's a vending machine that has Linux built in. And there the, the game is are endless. I mean, you could, sure. if you were a SnapScan, you could really build a SnapScan vending machine or, which would be pretty cool. But now, see, the whole thing is that um, it has to go that way because the olden days of going to check your stock in the vending machines and to see what you got to replenish, those days are going, going fast and furious. These things should be sending out bunches of information to some server somewhere, alerting some technician to go out through that one vending machine, right? So, the, yeah, I mean, that, another great point. So what we discovered is that there's an enormous network of vending machines out in the world that don't have these this smart tracking. And with our simple selfie booth, what we actually realized we were doing was tracking customer purchases. Absolutely. So we could just take the stock tally in the morning and say how many people did we get through the vending machine, how many coins did we detect, and how many uh, chocolates did we detect. And suddenly the the team that was managing the vending machine, not only could they manage stock better, but we found out that 1 to 2 in the morning at campuses was the best time to sell chocolates. So we've rearranged their marketing so that at 1 to 2 in the morning, you're very likely to see loads of marketing activity or display ads on your phone that say, are you studying tonight? Mm, Go get some chocolate. Because we would see repeat purchases at 3 to 4. And because of the selfie booth, not only did we get to track them, we got to see them. So we we saw it was the same guys coming back. And without fail, it was nerdy-looking people. So it was the studies. It wasn't the party animals or people needing midnight snacks. Munchies. Yeah, yeah I was about to say it yeah, really depends what, on your really on your on what you were consuming before you went to the vending machine because some of them definitely looked like they were very hungry and munchies was on their mind. <laughs> but but I mean, I, I think it's cool the fact that you can take kind of certain bits of no, not related technologies and splice them together and force a new application. Yeah, and all in the service of solving problems. And and again, this the same bit of technology is allowing us via infrared uh, in malls to detect when a customer stands in front of your display. Now, that's very powerful for mall customers because if you're a Woolworth, for instance, passers-by is actually a metric. Yes, yeah, sure. But how do you measure that other than if you've got a human being clicking one, away? And two, traditionally, that's what they've no, got, no, two sure, infrared sure. beams at the beginning of most malls, and you'll hear it clicking. Yeah. And that's an individual coming through. So yeah, the, the commercial applications are endless, and it's again, it's all it's designed in the service of solving problems. And for me, that's always been the crux of it. The technology's always felt out of reach to me because I'm not that technical. Okay, I, I sound technical now <laughs> because it's become fun. And and Tanya, you and I were chatting earlier about about uh, your kid, mm. Max. Yeah. So the best way to teach young people about technology is actually when they see the hardware. Yeah. 
you can't teach kids to code because they think it's math. Without fail, well, I've shown someone code and it's, it's looked cool. like arithmetic yeah. or it's looked, it's looked it's difficult. That's cool. I'm sorry. But can you control a remote control car oh, yeah. from your phone? Yes, you can. Is it simple? Very much so. Would a kid like Max go wild to know that he can control a little camera on a car? Very simply. Yeah, best thing ever. I'm sending Max to you for lessons. Max needs to know that the, that the world is open to all possibilities and that he can dream, um, dream big. And that because he's a South African kid, nothing should stop him. Well, because you're any kid. I mean, it's it's stuff's available, and um, I think the kids that are growing up are growing up not afraid to experiment with anything, and that's that's good, right? Yeah, and I think that actually is one of the traits most successful geeks have. You'll hear about this a lot in the startup community is a bias towards risk, uh, uh, taking risks. Kids with art fail have that, you know, like they'll throw themselves mm-hmm. in an art project or throw themselves at something yeah, no without abandon. Sure, and they and they don't have much shame. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no fail. Yeah, exactly. That's I love that. Thing. I love people who don't fear shame, and and you'll see the people that are around you that are the most successful don't fear shame. Yeah, don't feel don't feel embarrassed. And I'm not embarrassed to say I don't understand this bit of hardware. Let me look it up. Let me go and go sure. ask Google sure, or sure. make a forum post that says, "Guys, I may be an idiot, but yeah, uh, help." No, and and the people answering you have been in your position before, so they they no one is laughing at you because they know I might be laughing at you today, but tomorrow I'm going to have a problem. I can't solve. And therefore, I need somebody else's help. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think with this whole Internet of Things and everything being connected to everything else, what is nice is, like, let's go back to your vending machine example. If you could get the university to automatically let you know when exams are and what exams are happening that evening, your system could talk to their system and say, all right, you know, the display becomes much smarter. Studying for Ecos tonight, you know, have a bar one. Um, you know, extra, all of a sudden, it will appeal more. If you're just walking past the machine saying, eat me, eat me, eat me, unless you're on something else, in which case. No, you know, yeah, that's the third great point. Um, you know, we always talk about liberation of data, and that's probably our biggest uh, problem right now. Everyone thinks that data should be kept um, yeah. in a database it's that's silence. entirely pri- private. So, you know, when you would want to convince the university to let us into their exam timetable, they're likely to say, we'll liberate the data, yeah. but it needs to be heavily secure, et cetera. And I think… And maybe it's about shame and embarrassment of being caught one day. Then, you know, like our data got out. Um, we've just seen the South African press office go through yes. that similar thing. So now that's very interesting to me because that was our data um, and it got liberated. But back to the vending machine example, I love the idea of being able to see into systems. If we had that kind of access, imagine the world in which we lived. Um, and again, maybe in the future when we own our data more fully when mm. our service providers don't own our data, insurers, financial service providers who hold our data on transactions, mm. on what you buy. When that gets returned to you, we'll be able to have vending machines that not only know that you're possibly drinking tonight, um, which is probably the use case, <laughs> but that you actually have the disposable income today to buy the chocolates. So you reminded me there of um, a very strange project that we, we were prototyping, which is a vending machine for dogs. Uh, okay, you're gonna have to go through that one slowly. Because, you know, you, you remember. Can you actually buy the dog through the vending machine? I wish you could. That would be so good. Puppy vending machine. The amount of trouble I would have gotten into, I can already see the headlines. He never makes the headlines for any of the good work that he does, but, but now I'm in trouble. Um, what was fascinating, you know, like you mentioned the, the idea of the vending machine telling you, oh, hold on, not today. So we used very similar tactics to design this dog vending machine, which is we need to detect the weight of the dog. How big is this dog? Is it really a dog? Um, and then we, <laughs> using sensors, we were able to take like height of dog, because that's very critical for a vending machine. All what we wanted to do. What does a vending do, machine spit out? 
uh, pellets for dogs. So what we wanted to okay. do as a charity project um, within the neighborhoods where we know that there's lots of strays. For instance, where right. I live in Fourth Avenue Parkhurst, there's loads of dogs that wander around there at night. And I was just thinking, wouldn't it be nice if there was an automated dispensary that, that fed them? Right. You'd be surprised how difficult it is to find funding for projects like that. Without fail, people start laughing at you when you say dog vending machine strange, but they do. But there again, there's, there's this problem that we, we, we see. Dogs are, are at night, don't have food. The tech isn't that difficult. Mm-hmm. Why has no one done it? Um, people fail, like, are fearful of failure, are fearful of the technology and default to billboards that say feed dogs. Right, right, it's right. not as impactful as actually feeding, feeding the animals. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think something like a hooking up my coffee machine to 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 a button, or knowing that I'm on the way home, therefore put on the kettle, things like that, those become more practical, and those become more real. And I think that when we get those kind of solutions, people will start to think very very differently. Um, you know, when we talk about kind of things like safe cities, so a car gets stolen, gets reported as stolen, but now every as soon as he hits one of the shopping malls. That takes a picture of your number plate. It can then identify whether it's a stolen car or not, and that could alert the police. So things are that when systems are stopped becoming kind of in silos and systems start talking to other systems, talk to other systems, talk to other systems, all of a sudden we have a different world that we, that, that we live in, uh, as opposed to me, 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 my data, me, me, me. You can buy it, but me, me, me again. Um, so a lot of the, the cities which are becoming open data, so places like New York, which was kind of one of the first the first one to do it, all of a sudden people could identify traffic patterns. And then apps were being built to say, if you want a taxi to go from point A to point B, don't stand here because you're not going to get one. There's a little arrow that's saying walk, 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 stop. And then it says five, four, three, two, one, raise me. And the app actually whistles going, hey, taxi, because it knows this is when the taxis are coming. So – Making data available to lots of people, you know, the famous thing is that um, nobody, you know, nobody inside the side of the firewall is as smart as everybody outside the firewall. So everybody can contribute towards a project. You're surely going to get much better results than us doing it ourselves, right? Yeah, I mean, in theory, of course. I mean, IBM has been working on this um, for years now on these ideas of smart cities. What for me is interesting is when smart data is paired with nudge thinking. Now, that's probably a, a conversation for a, a number of shows, but where I've seen this very uh, interesting and perhaps there's local application is in a suburb in the UK, uh, the participants on the suburb allowed the municipality to publish their electricity data. So on the streets in front of their houses, they chalked up their current kilowatt hour usage. Right. And we could see for the first time ever who in our neighborhood was consuming the most, the most. Uh, and what the neighborhood then did was say, well, why don't we nudge them to be part of a competition? The person with the lowest usage yeah, will win. Uh, reduce the bill, be, be given utili- be incentives for other utilities. Now imagine that application in this country where we do have a problem like that. If we liberated just that bit of utility data, mm-hmm. the amount of power it would give us as communities to say, hold on, there's something very wrong with someone's home. Let's bring down just that usage. Or, or let's automate shutting off between periods X and Y when we could see usage has gone up. Uh, so I think it's a very good point. And once we get used to liberating our data and giving it up to smart systems, uh, we'll be in a much better world. You know, we keep on throwing this whole security thing as being as being an element. So do I want you to see how much electricity I'm using? Do I want you to know how far I'm driving my car, how much emissions I'm spitting out? But at the end of the day, there is no privacy. Um, you know, so you have to account to somebody. So if you're paying an insurance premium or you're paying an electricity bill, 
somebody is taking money from you for your usage. They're doing it anyway. Surely you should be incentivized to use less of it or drive better or not break as much. Um, I think something like um, Discovery is doing things with with um, drive, I think they call it. So if you um, are always heartbreaking and accelerating fast, you get less points than if you're not. Just to kind of try and give you a better incentive not to do it. Um, but again, all of those are connecting lots of disparate system together to try and get a better and uh, a better end end result. And Internet of Things, at the end of the day, is that is trying to get different sensors um, doing one task, but collaborating together to become a, a, a bigger picture. Yeah, you, when you when you see the utility of what you do. So, for instance, if you're sitting in front of Google while you're listening to this, and you type in a search string. And, and you're not aware that you're bartering that search string for information that comes back with your personal information. Then don't be fooled into thinking that anything is, is truly private. I think what's interesting about things like Vitality is there has to be some kind of benchmarking when there's incentivization. In other words, you have to be compared to the other users in that system in order mm-hmm. for them to derive where the incentive comes from. That means there's comparative data. That means your, your, all of your sure. profiles being compared. And I think, it's always within reason, though, because what I am fearful of is is of governance. Um, and this is something that's come up frequently within conversations with other nerds, governance of Bitcoin, governance of Internet of Things. So could someone hack my system and open my curtains? I've thought about that quite a lot, actually, and been quite angry at this hacker already who's <laughs> opening my curtains because if you wake me up before 8 in the morning, I'm not a happy not person. Not available, yeah. Um, and that does bring into some, some um, reasons for concern. It'll again be about the open source community teaching people to be safe and secure with these products. I think that has some, that is a prevailing trend that I think we all should be cognizant of is when you do sign up for Internet of Things or when you are building products for yourself, be no, as nervous as you would be if you were storing financial data in a database. Mm. I think it, it, it proves to reason that it's common sense to secure people's information. Sure. But, but I think it's, but it's matured. I mean, from the olden days of, of, you know, the guys playing with soldering boards, in the garage where there was no standards yep. to now when these things coming pre kit in a kit form and ready to go, there's already kind of some sort of standardization. There's already thinking along those lines. So out of the box, you're already getting these things into play. Um, look, if someone's really that determined, they're going to get in uh, uh, anyway. So someone really wants to wake you up before eight o'clock. They're going to be able to do it. Yes, I'm angry already uh, now. See, um, but this is when you hook up. As soon as your curtain opens, you hook it up to your Nespresso machine. See, so it's like everything's so incentivization for hacking. There we go. Ah, ah, hello. Okay, no comments. No, I think <laughs> I think what's what's interesting about this is um, if you look at this, whilst I agree with you, I've a number of friends who host WordPress sites on virtual hosting environments, and you would swear it was the exact same model, right? Hmm. There are conventions for hosting on a virtual host, and yet without fail, open source technologies get hacked, and that's more sure. more than likely the end user who set up admin as a username and password as a password. And I think if I was going to give any common sense help to most people is if you are going to build Internet of Things systems, please make your password strong. Suggestion, one password as an app. Because when we've been hacked in the past on these kind of projects, without fail, some guys put his name as the... uh, Username and his surname as the password, and thought, well, who can, no one who cares is about it. Yeah. Exactly, it's my mobile number. Who knows that stuff? Yeah, date of birth. <laughs> who would be able to guess yeah. that out of random number, of, a random sequence of numbers? Okay, so um, it's so it's all there. The, the thing is that um, again is that we always think of the home of the future where it just knows stuff, um, but the home of the future is here. So we've seen lots of projects where. 
Um, it knows that you've left work. It looks in your diary, knows that you don't have any more meetings, knows that your direction is coming towards home. Therefore, put on your air conditioner. Um, once it's put on your air conditioner, it knows that it's recorded X, you know, TV for you. Get that ready. Switch on the microwave with the meal that's already in there. And then as you press the up button in your left, by the time you arrive at your front door, you're, you're, you're ready to go. That stuff's available now. The technology is available now, just not widely used. Yet. Yeah, so Nest, um, which I think was one of the, I don't mean one of the Google Yeah, guys? Google, yeah. Google. Uh, that project fascinates me greatly because there you can see what a device in the home can possibly do. I think, you know what's interesting? I think projects and shows like Iron Man and guys like Elon Musk are starting to give us this impression that we are now in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're it's speaking possible. about going to Mars. Sure. Um, and the generation before us thought the moon was as far as we were going to get. Right. So we're in that place now where I think people can start dreaming about this home, this home that's fully um, automated to their needs. Not only that, of course, anyone with a Google-powered uh, Android device has got Google now on their devices already, which knows all of this data mm. already. And that should, without fail, freak you out when it knows where you've parked. Uh, when well, I get a little hint that says, yeah. consider coming here for your car, and I'm thinking, wow, I've outsourced my computation to this machine. Sure. Can it not just say, coffee's ready? Yeah, absolutely. And you'll hear that me talking about coffee quite a lot because that's clearly a, 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 a techie thing. Have you learned how to make coffee at home yet? Or can you auto, have you automated your machine? No, see, this is, and you know what's funny is I dislike Nespresso intensely, which is a pity because that's, if I get this right, I'll have to drink Nespresso <laughs> out of reverence for the thing that I've built because I prefer using a kettle and doing a pour over. So what are you currently working on at the moment from a work point of view? So I think the exciting thing is there's two projects that I'm really excited about that um, we're actually self-funding. And I think that's always when the projects are the most exciting, when the greatest risk is disappointing yourself or losing your own money. That's That for me is when the risks have been the highest and also the reward has been the highest. So the two things we're working on at the moment, one is definitely for the mall environment is sensors. Now there's lots of Bluetooth and um, NFC sen- sensors that are exist already, and that's just developing something that allows you to map malls in a better way. We're quite excited about this technology because with, whenever I go to malls with other people, they seem to lose themselves very quickly. Where was Woolworths? Where am I now? Uh, where's my car? With simple okay. beacon technology, most of that can be uh, swept under the rug. You know, like you don't have to forget where everything is. We're also excited in, in the sense that you can use these for quests and games. Now, because we're nerds, um, we see that as a, as a large part of what we do. The entertainment sector is far more interesting right now than, than most other sectors. I'd rather be looking at how do you build the Internet of Things um, and offline to online into gaming? And you can see that geocachers have had this for a while. Um, and quest hunters have had this a while, where we're looking at beacon technology in games. Rather, put people in a real-world game. With Google Glass, um, mm-hmm. although it's a cancelled project, Google Cardboard has shown us how much virtual, fun you can yeah. have with a virtual reality headset, and Ocular Rift would be what we're looking at now, and in a real-world environment. Um, if you were playing some kind of war game in a mall setting, but it was the mall setting, it would be a great deal more fun. The second thing um, that we're working at at the moment I guess it's almost without fail looking at existing bodies of data and seeing what we can make smarter. So if there is some kind of data that we're extracting from municipalities, is how do we optimize their services? Now, a simple thing might be what we've seen uh, guys do with tracking potholes. Mm-hmm. And that's not Internet of Things. It's use, using the mobile device as a sensor. So okay. record your pothole, tell us where it is, and we'll dispatch someone. The fun bit comes in in the automation of that. Automatically dispatch a team based on a pothole. If we can crowdsource enough people... Um, sharing their data from one pothole, we can definitely make priorities on on work. And that's, for me, the future. And I mentioned the ESCOM example 
only because that I'm really uh, we're betting on on trying to get involved in the sustainable energy sector. We truly believe that if we can nudge people into doing correcting their action, um, we may have placed less burden on uh, utilities that are currently using fossil fuels, and that for me excites me. If I was doing anything as a massive commercial project, it would be a platform. I'd be building a platform no, no, no. that enabled other people other to build. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, I mean, just to kind of wrap wrap things up, the the devices, the physical devices, shouldn't scare you. That's kind of the message I'm getting. I'm getting from you. So if you've got this kind of cool, wacky idea, and you're just wondering how to get it into the real world, in other words, a button or a function that has to happen when you walk through a door, or anything that's in the real world should be able to trigger some sort of software. Um, in the past, it used to be very, very difficult, but now it's not anymore. And as soon as you unlock that potential, that kind of, even just that thinking, then a lot of the stuff becomes real, becomes viable, becomes doable. And that's kind of the key the, the key message. Um, you've got to bring these boards in yourself. I don't know if they're available yeah, so into, into the country. Yeah, communities, so Binary Space and House for Hack, yeah. I, if I was very interested in it, I would Google those both, Binary and uh, binary Space and House for Hack. Um, they are both bodies that would either teach you about this. I've been attended two courses now at House for Hack in Pretoria, well, Midrand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe the Binary Space guys have also got a space now that they're, allow- they're teaching people. There you can get the kits yourself. You can um, Also, most electronics providers now, if you Google them, there's, I think, again, mostly in Midrand. Uh, they sell the kits themselves. Uh, they'll bring them in from China. Okay. Negligible prices and the actual components are so cheap you can really play with it. Um, but then since, since the prices have dropped that dramatically, it means it's now, even if you don't have this super multi-billion dollar idea and you just want your curtains to open when it's daylight, uh, you can just do that. Whereas in the past, it used to, you had to invest a lot of money just so you would have to get up and open those curtains, right? Yeah, so this is what excites me. And it brings me back to a point I mentioned earlier about this idea of we're all manufacturers now. We are. We, we can make whatever we like. And I can prototype something at my house. So, for instance, someone put on Kickstarter a curtain rail opener. That is a Arduino project that made it to Kickstarter. They got $80,000 in backing. That became a real product. Sure. Every kid at home now has the ability to prototype and manufacture their own uh, product. Nothing is out of our reach. So you just need the dream and you need the world to do it. You, you don't need to have a degree. You don't need to be good in science or maths. I don't, I, don't ever, I don't want anyone to ever feel afraid. And I think that's what we all feel, like there's a barrier to entry. Mm. It, okay. Lots of kids are able to learn complex games. So you might put them onto Minecraft, which is blowing my mind that young people can understand that. That for me is architecture. At a, at a, simple, at a simple level, they're playing with architectural concepts. Give them the same technology and they can build anything in Minecraft. They can build it in the real world. So don't let young people – and I always bring this back to math. South Africans have this weird fear of math. Don't let that uh, spill over into your weird fear of engineering and making (laughs) things because they're not not mutually – they're not connected. Um, And and I I desperately want people to design the solutions for tomorrow uh, without the constraint of thinking I can't do that or mom and dad don't have the money or I don't have the money. Because there are communities of people that will help you. I'll happily fund a cool project. We've done it a number of times. Well, I think you've heard it here, folks. Um, get your thinking hats on. Um, the barrier between the real and the online world should kind of now melt away. Nothing should be stopping you from going out there, giving it a bash, getting a kit, um, lots of YouTube video clips, lots of literally step by step 
insert screw one into hole two. I mean, it's like just there. Um, just give it a bash and see what comes out. And you'll, in one project, will lead on to the next project, will lead on to the next project. And the stuff will get bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and I'm, I got my kids one of these kits to play with over the December period and, and they loved it. I mean, they're girls. So this whole boy girl thing also is crap. Um, so yep. they're girls. They loved it. They were able to get a remote control car to work. Uh, um, and they built the whole thing themselves without any help whatsoever. So it's absolutely doable. And now they've got that kind of thinking. And I think that's just going to kind of grow and develop and develop and develop. So Vincent, thanks. Thank you very much for popping in. Um, I think if you've got other cool projects, we'll definitely check in with you to see what else you've got kind of up those sleeves cool. and see what else is coming down the track. And Vincent, where can we find you? Website, social media? So my Twitter account is my name, Vincent Hoffman. Is that two Fs? One, F, and, one F, F and two N's. N's. Okay. Uh, Vincent's still the normal way. Right. Uh, and then you can find out more about our company, Inquisition, uh, inquisition.coza, like the Spanish Inquisition. Nobody forgets. <laughs> Um, and if you want to get a hold of me, yeah, just pop me an email and I'm happy to chat and help. I'll also okay. connect you to the community's binary space and, and house for hack because I think that's a good starting point. Yeah, I, think, I think these guys normally have like even open days and they say like you brand new drinks and come and learn about the stuff. And that's how I've learned, which is just go and be an outsider and noob and see what um, happens. And see what happens. And it's not that scary. It looks like everyone's no. having no, the munchies no, anyway. Thanks for simplifying it for us. Cool. No pleasure. Cliffcentral.com. Sure. So, Tanya, I mean, I think what I'm taking away from Vincent's kind of message here is that anybody can do it. You just got to put your mind to it. And doesn't matter how weird or, or ridiculous the idea sounds, it's now possible. Tech yeah. has made it easy. Absolutely. Um, and it's, I guess it's doable for every age. Um, and even me, who maybe didn't <laughs> excel at science and maths at school. Yes. Just maybe. Just maybe. Yeah. But, um, I mean, we see all these kinds of products online. Um, sites like Kickstarter and Indiegogo where people are creating this kind uh, of thing and put, putting them online, trying to get funding from everyone who will fund it or who likes the idea. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, I go to these sites often just to see what's up there. I mean, but like some of the stuff is just wow. Some of the stuff is brilliant. And completely. And you want to put your money. Didn't you put your money into something on the weekend? You printed uh, something? What did you Best back? thing in the what world. Did you back? Okay. This is a kit that you build yourself that becomes like this M16 machine gun that fires paper. I'm sorry, that's got to be the coolest Kickstarter project. Why? In. Why do you want to fire paper? Just for okay, you see, this is, you've got to be a boy for this to understand this. Okay. This is like, like, like cool. No, yeah, I'm not. I'm not getting it. The one thing I did like many years ago was a handbag with a. Charger inside, a little clutch bag, which was really cool. Uh, and, I don't get the, I don't get the paper. Uh, and, and I don't get the handbag with the charger. That's so really how cool. many more thousands does the campaign need? The stupid thing is this thing is self-funded, <laughs> like within the <laughs> first 24 hours or something ridiculous like that. Um, and they're like shipping in July. Um, so because you funded, will you get? Yes, that's, that, that's, okay, that's cool. kind of the idea. Okay. Um, but there's some really like insane stuff that's out there. So I've come across some insane and wonderful gadgets oh, yeah? on Kickstarter and Indiegogo. Um, the first one, which I think is brilliant, um, it's it's called Wired In. So basically, if you're at work and you don't want people to bother you with a question or do you want to come for coffee, you just have a sign on your desk that says Wired In. Meaning okay. Like, leave people, me alone? Yeah, pretty much. Well, like, like, do not disturb. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm sorry, is this a paper sign? <laughs> And it can be controlled via Bluetooth. No, it looks like a Perspex sign with lights on. Um, okay. 
It's got a goal of $25,000. Not a chance. It's made 20000 Not a chance. And this is on the weekend, so I'm uh, it must have gone sure up they, since might, then. Yeah, they might be a bit further. I think that's great. I used to, when I worked in, a, in an office with lots of women, I used to have little signs like a happy face and a sad face. If you were a happy face, come and engage. If you were a sad face, it was like... I'm not in the best mood. I'm Please not. don't expect me to be on my best emotional form. <laughs> okay. This is, this is you could have of, funded that for twenty five thousand dollars. <laughs> I might. I might still. I could do three faces, like happy, hey, sad. the advanced version. Yeah, and then maybe it's a face with like headphones to say that I'm connected. <laughs> I like it. I'm listening to music. Okay, cool. Okay, so, speaking of yeah. your guns, uh, <laughs> yeah. there's a product called Bug Assault. Okay. Okay, right, talk to me. Why swat flies when you can shoot them with salt? Uh, you see, this is what I'm talking about, people. Oh, this sounds horrible. And this sounds like a cruel death. The bug assault is a plastic gun that blasts pinches of sodium chloride at winged pests. It oh, was an God. explosive success, raising over $577,000. No, no, hold, 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 hold. Just, just give me the number again. Okay, so almost $600,000. Dollars. $600,000. Yeah, in two months. And this was in 2012. So $600,000, just a, a times it by 10, that's 6 million rand to throw salt. At a, at a winged insect. I think that's... Okay, I think it's sad for us as a, as a human race. <laughs> what if you miss and, I don't know, it goes into some... A child's eye or something. Hey, you got to know that ninety percent of people bought that. Didn't buy it for the winged assault people. They bought it for the other half. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, no, true. But I mean, six million rand. I mean, it just shows you anybody can raise things as yeah, long as you make event, them look cool. And invent stuff. And the last thing that I really like, but I, I do like it, but then I don't like it. Okay, it's called Couchlet. Um, it's a okay. charging station designed to be wedged into couch cushions and the frame of your bed. Oh, brilliant. That is pretty cool. The dual USB port charger comes with a six-foot cable that struggled to reach the outlet. Problem solved. I mean, how many oh, times brilliant. have you been on the no, couch no. and you want to charge something? Or you're in to, bed, you're trying yeah, to... You, and you it, don't really feel like... Getting up walking and some, yeah. walking around with an extension cord. Uh, okay, so you know that I would support. And it just shows that like any idea... Is doable. Can, is doable and it, you know you can have thousands of fans who buy into it. Oh. Okay, no, I, I, I dig that couch thing. That is actually quite, because I can relate. You know, I think a lot of these things you've got to be able to relate to. So you can't relate to me wanting to buy a machine gun no, that shoots paper. No, and you can't okay. relate to my little clutch bag. Uh, completely. Power. But, but apparently people can. And the stuff gets self-funded. But I mean, a USB charger within your couch and inside your bed. Hello, there's lots of things you can power up with a USB charger in your bed. Your tablet, for example, your could be tablet, one. Could be exactly. one. Um, you know, or other devices that you need. Or, yeah. uh, absolutely, yeah, completely. Mm-hmm. That makes th- see. If you relate to it, you'll probably find it. It's as simple. It's as, it's as simple as that. Um, okay, so I mean, it's been quite an interesting show. We've learned new things. We've learned about the Internet of Things, how devices and stuff in, from the real world can translate into the um, online world. So offline meets online. We've learned the new term IOT, so Internet of Things, um, and the cool work that MTN is doing. So that's quite that's quite cool out there. Um, I think the idea is to go out, get a kit, go to these house for hacks, or go online, learn how to do it, stick it onto Kickstarter, and make yourself an absolute fortune. Quit your job and go live in Mauritius. That's what I took away from this. Yeah? Okay. Absolutely. It could just be me. Uh, Tanya, thank you very much for joining again. If people want to get hold of you, what's your Twitter they account? You can follow me on Tanya Kowarski, T-A-N-Y-A-K-O-V-A-R-S-K-Y.
Okay, and then the blog is rattleandmom.co.za. That's right. If you want some cool stuff for especially some parenting and stuff for the kids. Um, on my side, um, it's Liron Segev and it's thetechieguy.com if you want some other easy to understand tech stuff because that's what we do between us. We make tech sound easy and cool at times. Okay, that's us. Uh, thanks for joining to another episode of Talking Tech. Cliffcentral.com. <laughs>